You may not realize this, but there is a actually a pretty large and growing um, movement, if you want to call it that, that follows um, Leave it to Beaver. <laughs> you would not think that. It's actually, a lot of it is young women who so admire June Cleaver that they want to live that life. They yearn to have that life. And you think about how things have changed. When was the Leave it to Beaver in the 50s? 50s, early 60s, something like that. He got up every day, put on a suit and tie and a hat and headed out the door. And, the, and, and June Cleaver uh, stayed in a bathrobe all day. No, that's, that's more a modern thing. <laughs> no, she, she, put, she put on high heels and beads and a dress every day. <laughs> Hair's perfect, absolutely. You do the whole thing to, to clean your house and take care of your kids and cook dinner. Wow. But I think what's telling in that is that there is a group of people, young people today, that yearn for something that we've lost. And not necessarily that it's all about wearing beads and a dress along. <laughs> that value, that family Value. I want to turn to Malachi chapter 4, go with one verse in verse 6. Malachi, very last book in the Old Testament, right before Matthew. And chapter 4, verse 6. And it says, And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. We're talking about a prophet that God promises to send here, uh, like Elijah. He says, I will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And Lord, I just ask God that you'll help us today and direct our thoughts, direct our spirits, help us to open our hearts and minds to receive something from you today. And I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Not too long ago, I talked about a movement today that uh, the feminist movement that basically says that men are uh, not necessary, we're irrelevant, um, and there are <laughs> there are more and more of them that say that basically anything they can get, they need to get from us, they can get from a sperm bank. That's the way they look at it. But the facts that are coming out more and more and more every day are proving that that's not true. Men are vitally important in the relationship. And somebody's going to say, what about the women? Of course, this is Father's Day, though. I'm talking about men. You can yell at me later. <laughs> no yelling. We have, we're, they're starting to realize more and more and more as studies are coming out that men are vitally important to the relationship. Right now in the United States of America, one in three uh, families, children, are, are living without a biological father in the home. One in three. And that is climbing. It's a terrible reality that we're dealing with. And that fathers are more and more absent. Uh, I believe, if I recall correctly, the, the uh, statistic among the, the black community is 60% of them in the black community. It's, an, it's crazy what is happening here. 
But children that do not have a father in the home are four times more likely to live in poverty. They're seven times more likely. A girl is seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teenager if, if dad's not there. Seven times. That's crazy. They're like, more likely to have behavioral issues, more likely to, uh, to face abuse and neglect. Uh, they are twice, as, uh, twice the chance of, of uh, infant mortality, more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, more likely to commit crimes, much more likely to go to prison, two, two times more likely to be obese, two times more likely to drop out of school, and 279% more likely to deal drugs if dad is not in the home. That stability that is provided by the dad is vitally important. And that's why the devil is fighting so hard to get dads out of the home. He doesn't want dads in the home. Now, we've kind of got an idea. Some, some men have got the idea that that means you go out, you work eight hours, and then you come home and you veg in front of the television until it's time to go to bed. That's not what being a dad is. That's not what is vitally important in the home. That, that strength of character, going back to, to uh, Ward Cleaver, when he came home, he was engaged with his boys and his wife. He was engaged. He had something to provide. He had something to give them. We have to invest in our children. We can't expect children to raise themselves. And mothers are not equipped to provide everything that is necessary in parenting. There's the, it's a two, what do you want to say? Two-edged partnership, two-edged sword here. It takes both sides. It takes both to make it work. See, this is a definition of a curse. When you go down these stats, what did, what did God say there? He said, we'll bring the, the, the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the hearts of the children back to the fathers. Otherwise, I'll bring a curse on the land. It's a curse on the land when men are not in the home being fathers, being husbands. It is a curse. It is a drag. It is a damage. It's damaging to the land. That's a very definition as you look at this. Seven times more likely to be pregnant as a teenager just because dad is not in the home. The hearts need to be turned. See, what he's saying here, obviously, is the hearts are not in the right direction because these hearts are required to be turned. We need to turn. What turns the hearts of people? The gospel of Jesus Christ, the greatest heart turner in the history of the world. The gospel turns the hearts of people. When the gospel goes out, how many testimonies have we heard down through the years, all you that have been in church for a long time, of some guy who was a, a drunk or an abuser, or you can go down the list. He was a thief, he was, he was away, he abandoned his children, he did whatever, until the day he got saved and God turned that heart back to his home and rebuilt and, and, and brought together what the devil had destroyed. That's what the gospel does. It turns the hearts, and as that gospel message goes out, and people's hearts surrender to Jesus Christ, it turns them back to their children and the hearts of the children turn back. I was reading about presidents that how they parented differently, how they fathered differently. And I I think it was Grover Cleveland made sure that every day he went up and sat down in the middle of the floor and played with his children. He'd wrestle with them or he'd play hide and seek with them or he would do something with them. 
And I, I saw where Jimmy Carter found out that his son was uh, failing in one of his classes. So he, he every day would personally leave everything that was going on in, you know, in the Oval Office and he would go up to tutor his son until he got an A. The, they, they did what was necessary. Were all of them good fathers? Some of them were terrible fathers. Some of them were awful fathers. But the hearts of the, the, the dads have to be to the family first. Now, as a man, the tough thing is, it all rests on our shoulders. We carry it all. It is our responsibility to make sure that the family is provided for. That rests on us. That doesn't mean the wife doesn't have a part in it. Obviously, she does. My wife works. When my children were home, she was home. She raised those children. But when the children grew up, she said, hey, I want to go do taxes. I said, that's a mental illness, but go ahead. <laughs> definite sickness in there somewhere. <laughs> See, Hollywood, if you watch movies, I, you know, they, they drag me to watch movies. If I want to spend time with my son, I have to go watch these horrible movies that they put out nowadays. And usually I sleep through them. But, you know, it, when you watch these movies, you start to realize that their idea is that well, let's, let's just talk about Die Hard. Anybody seen Die Hard? The dad and the daughter were horrible. They couldn't st- she was so disrespectful. She was so nasty to him. And he was so out of sorts. And he had no idea what to do. Basically, he had lost his child. He, he had no relationship with her. And the only way he won her back was at, by going through some building and killing five dozen people. And, you know, oh, well, now all of a sudden she loves her dad. There's a problem in there. The heroism isn't the fact that he went through a building and shot a bunch of people. Heroism would be if he had been a dad in the first place. That's where heroism is. Being the dad is a hero. Being the dad, being the one that shows the, the light, leads the way, guides the family, does what he needs to do, that is far more heroic than, than some, some, I don't know, action hero can be. True hero A true hero is a man who stands up and takes responsibility for what he's supposed to do. You did it, now you get to to pay the price for it. You need to carry the, the weight of it. When we think about what can a dad provide, the most important thing that he can provide for his children, number one, obviously, a relationship with the Lord. The children rarely follow the Lord without the parents leading the way. There are, there are many who do. I'm an example. I, you know, I got saved outside of my, my parents, but many of them don't. They follow the direction of their, of their parents. And so having a relationship with God is vitally important. The children will learn that from you. And if you come to church and you put on the act and you put on the show and you say all the churchy things and you act all the churchy way, and then you go home and you don't live it all week long, those children know it. They're not fooled. It takes a relationship with God Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then we come together Sunday and we celebrate what we've already had all week long. And the children see that. That's why so many church children fall away. It's because they see two different standards. Not all of them. Some of them just rebel. That's what they do. But many of them falter because they saw two different standards in their parents' lives. And it's it basically destroyed their faith. But the next thing, 
I think is vitally important for children to see is a dad who loves their mother. Now, we deal with it all the time in police work. I've dealt with it within my own family with my siblings and stuff. Man, if you tell your wife, shut up. Leave me alone. Go do this. I don't want to hear from you. Shut up. Go away. Stop that. All the disrespectful, nasty things that some men say. You know what your sons will grow up to do? The exact same thing. I've never seen a time when boys, well, children, I should say, not boys alone. Actually, it's more girls nowadays than anything. I've never seen a time when children will beat up their mothers like we see today. It is insane. It is crazy. And it's rampant. And oddly, it is. It's more girls than it is boys. Boys typically won't raise their hand to their mom, but girls sure will. There's a problem there. I remember, and you remember a day when a child wouldn't dare put his hand on his mother. It would, they, they would see their life flash before their eyes. <laughs> it would be like, oh yeah. We were at a church ball game one time and the youth pastor and his wife were there and their oldest son, or I guess it was their only son, but uh, I think he was probably 17 at the time. And I don't remember now just sitting there watching the game. I don't know that I even heard what she said to him. But she, the mother said he should do something or grab something or whatever. And he said, just shut up. I'm, I'm sick of hearing you. I don't want to hear you anymore. The dad's right there. And he comes over and he's like, what's going on? What, what, what's happening? And, and it went on for probably five minutes where he was telling her, just shut up. I'm so sick of hearing you talk to me. Just get away from me. A boy saying this to his mother in front of the father. I'm sorry, I lost all respect for the man. That's a time when you take a trip out into the woods and say, hey, son, we're going to go fishing for it a little bit. And when you're out there, he comes back with a totally different attitude. Because he fell down (laughs) really hard (laughs) several times. (laughs) Poor kid. (laughs) But there was a problem long before that day for a 17-year-old boy to talk that way to his mother. There's a problem that had been there for a long time. If you mistreat your wife, your boys will learn to mistreat their wife. If you talk bad to them, talk down to them, disrespect them, those boys will learn to be disrespectful to women. It should never be that way. Leadership is not disrespect. There's an op- those are opposites. And many times guys think that, oh, well, I'm the head of the house. I get to be the, the macho man and tell everybody what to do. That's not leadership. Nobody wants to work for a boss like that. Certainly nobody wants to be in a home with a leader like that. That's not leadership. And some of this, I think, uh, I don't know. The devil has done everything he can to divide and destroy the home. You probably don't know, there's a very large and growing, exploding movement called the MGTOW movement. Anyone heard of the MGTOWs? It is men going their own way. That's what it is. That's what it's called. This is men who say they're so sick and tired of women that they don't want them anymore. 
this is a growing, this is among college boys mostly and, and going up from there. They, the feminist movement has created such a hostile environment that these guys say, I don't need women. I don't want to be around them. I don't want any part of them. And they live their lives totally separated from any dating, any marriage, anything of the sort. And they, 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 they're huge on the internet. It's interesting to, to re- and they're hostile towards women. Ladies, they hate you. And I'm like, something has gone wrong in our country. God designed, so when that young man hits a certain age, he all of a sudden looks and says, wow, she looks good. You know, he didn't do that before. Before that, he wanted to beat her up. But after that, he's like, wow, she looks good. And God created that, that chasing and that, 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 that hunting and that, all the dynamics that go into that relationship as it builds. And it's supposed to culminate in one man and one woman coming together and becoming one and raising those little rugrats together. That's what God created this thing to be. And this idea that men have said, I'm tired of it. I don't want any part of it. There's a problem there. That's not the way it should be. And I'm, I don't feel sorry for the feminists because they did it to themselves. I remember, I think it was a sister-in-law of mine was whining about why my brother-in-law never wanted to come home after work. He always wanted to go out and, and golf or, or party with his buddies or go to the bar or whatever he wanted to do. And I just said to her one day, I said, would you want to come home to you? <laughs> <laughs> Oddly, that didn't go over very well. But <laughs> I don't know why she didn't take that <laughs> like it was mad, but uh, you got to have something that he wants to come home to. But this is what's happening in the world. The devil is doing anything he can to destroy men, traditional men and traditional women, to make them hostile towards this plan that God put together of marriage, this relationship that we should have. (coughs) It's all come about because of the result of rebellious women and cowardly men. That's where it's come from. Rebellious women and cowardly men. Godly men teach their children, the things of God. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Too many men look at that and say, That's right, honey, you teach them. A lot of the teaching falls on the woman's shoulders because the man is out fighting lions and tigers and bears all day. So a lot of that does fall on her shoulders, but that doesn't relinquish that responsibility from the man that he should be teaching his children the ways of God. He sets that standard. He says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, wouldn't it be great if we were just perfect men? All the ladies said, amen. But we're not. We're just human guys trying to do what we're supposed to do, struggling to be the men that we are supposed to be. But I fear that too many Christian men today have quit trying. They've given up. They said, forget it. I can't do it. I might as well not even try. But see, God provided that men, God planned that men are the provider. That responsibility falls on their shoulder. You want to talk about a hero? A hero is a guy that's going out, working two or three jobs, make a minimum wage or barely above just to make sure that his family has food on the table. 
That's a hero who isn't hiding inside of a bottle to try to get through the day because things are too tough on him. That man that stands up and pulls his bootstraps up and says, one way or another, my family's going to eat today. That's a hero. These guys, somebody, I don't even remember who it was, said that Michael Jackson was a hero. Michael Jackson? Wouldn't know a hero if it hit him in the head. That's not a hero. A hero is somebody who does something extraordinary. It's one thing when you're going out making, you know, $40 an hour and providing for the family, but it's another thing when you're out making $11 an hour trying to provide for the family and doing whatever you have to do, whether it's delivering papers or, or, or cooking in a restaurant or whatever it takes to take care of that family. That's a hero. That's what a hero does. Anything he has to do, he provides. 1 Timothy 5 8 says, but if any provide not for his own and specifically for those of his own house, he had denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. You know that right now we have the biggest percentage and I, I'm trying to, it's like up in the 20s, I believe. I can't remember the number exact. The biggest percentage of men living at their parents' house than ever in the history of the country. They live with mommy and daddy. I, I think about people today, boys today, who are doing whatever they do at 21. And my wife mentioned one day, she said, do you realize that at that age, you already had been through the military and were in the military and you were married and you had a child and you had another one on the way <laughs> at that age. Nowadays, they're living in a basement playing video games all day long. That's not what God designed for a man to do. That's not what it is all about. It shouldn't be that way. Godly men provide for their family. They provide, they give their family what they need to get through. Godly men protect. They protect their, their family. There are a lot of evils or dangers coming against the family nowadays. Many of them. There are lots of dangers out there socially. There are, there are evil people that do evil things. There are dangers spiritually. There are so many assaults on the true Christian faith nowadays that a man needs to stand up and say that this will not be. I know that I've been in a situation where I've been in the middle of church and stood my family up and marched them out the door because of something that was going on at the church. That's going on during the service. That protection is not just protecting from a bad guy trying to break into your house, but it's a protection against what the devil is trying to do to destroy, no matter what it is. I've told a story before that my wife and I were out for a walk, and we're walking hand in hand, and I look up, and here comes two Dobermans at a dead run at us. And I was like, oh, no, this is going to hurt. And so I said, I said, baby, get on the other side of this guardrail. And she crawled over the guardrail and I'm like, here I am. And then they stopped. Thank God there was a fence there. I didn't even see the fence. All I know is I was like, God, this is going to hurt. <laughs> this is not going to be fun. But God expects the man to protect his family. Our friend had a, a similar situation. He said he was out walking with his wife and, and a dog came at him and he said he jumped behind his wife and he said, oh, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be in front. <laughs> you first, honey. All I have to do is run faster than her. That's it. 
<laughs> but there are so many dangers coming against the family today. And the man has to be diligent to keep that family safe no matter what it is. I'm telling you what, I would, I, it was bad enough raising a girl when I raised a girl. I would not want to raise a girl now. I wouldn't want to raise a boy now, but I really wouldn't want to raise a girl now. Can you imagine? It was like craziness just trying to keep Trisha safe when and that was 20 years ago. But trying to keep them safe nowadays, I like that old-fashioned thing that some of us will remember of them old farmers around here that keep the shotgun with the, uh, with the rock salt in it. Yeah, you mess with my daughter, you're not going to be liking what's going into your tail section as you go over the fence. <laughs> And I still believe that God blessed dads with the, uh, the, the, just the joy. Everything of, of parenting culminates with that day that you get to sit next in front of that guy who's wanting to ask your daughter out. That is the greatest day because you can just torture those guys. <laughs> you can watch them tremble and shake and you say, if she better be back in this house at 9 o'clock because I'm holding you personally responsible. And you watch the blood drain from their face. <laughs> I loved it. I was like, the, the, some of the great... And my daughter, she had one that she liked, and, and she said, Dad, I want you to meet this, this guy. And I said, okay. She said, please don't scare him to death. I did. It was great. <laughs> it's just a blessing to be a dad. You get to do that. <laughs> so... Godly men protect their family, whatever threat is coming against that home. Godly men show the example. Godly men show the example. You've all seen it. Some of you have experienced it where mom and dad would get you up on Sunday morning, dress you up, and send you off to church while they went back to bed. That's not the way God designed it to be. That's not the way it's supposed to be. You all seen it, and I've seen it where the, the parents are drinking, smoking, you can go down the list of all the things and then tell them the children, don't you do this. But we are the ones that are supposed to be setting the example. They should be looking at us and, and, and acting just like we act. The Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I think every man, every father ought to say the same thing. Follow me as I follow Christ. Kids, you just do what I do and you'll be just fine. But unfortunately, too many times we don't want the kids to do what we do. We don't want the kids to follow what we're doing. We want them to act better than us. Why would our children act better than us? I've asked several meth heads that I've dealt with down through my career when they're fighting to get their children back and I'm, I'm just like, why? All you're going to do is produce another one of you. I mean... Why? All we're going to have is another meth head in, in 15 years. What, what's the point? We are to be that example. Godly men shows that example. They show that example to where people, the, the family follows him right into the kingdom of God. He sets that standard in the home. This is my home. This is what is okay in my home. This is what is not okay in my home. And there was a day when that happened. There was a day when you were out in a restaurant and the, the men at the table next to you started using foul language that the man would stand up and say, hey, wait a minute, you're with my, this is my wife, this is my kids, I don't want to hear that. You remember those days? 
Don't talk that way in front of my family. I saw a thing the other day on, on Facebook where it showed a man and a woman walking down the sidewalk, and the woman was on the street side, and the man was on the, on the, uh, you know, the building side, and the caption said, a true man will know what's wrong with this picture. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with being an old-fashioned man. <clears throat> I still open the door for my wife. I think every man ought to open the door for the wife. Every man here just went pale. I just saw it. It was just like, what? I still believe that a man ought to open the door for his wife. I still think a man ought to pull out his chair for his wife. I still think that he ought to walk with her arm in arm into a place. I still think he ought to present her as his prize. Put his hand in the small of her back and lead her into a room. I still think it's okay for a man to be a man. And show people how to treat a woman. How to treat a woman. My wife and I agreed before we ever got married that I would always open her door and she would wait for me to open, my, open her door. And yes, I'm not perfect. I forgot. And one particular time I got into the house and I looked around and I said, where's Deb? And then I hear the horn honking. And <laughs> 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 I go all the way back out there and open her door. <laughs> But see what that does is it re, reaffirms your roles. She is the weaker vessel. She is that prize that God gave you. She is that jewel. She is that precious jewel that Scripture is talking about. And every time you take the time to open her door for her, you are acknowledging I am the head of this home and she is my jewel. She is my prize. She is my gift that God gave me. Every time you go into a restaurant and you pull out her chair, it, is, it, it reaffirms that role. And as, I think it's, it's a small thing, but it's very, very important. People still watch us when we go into restaurants and I do that. Where do you see men just pull out a chair? I do that. I believe that a man should do that for his wife. Lots of discomfort in this place right now. <laughs> Godly men discipline the children. Godly men discipline the children. Hebrews 12, 5 says, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son... Do not disregard or do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is not it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? That man. Now, I don't believe necessarily in the old adage, just wait till your father gets home. I think that a woman ought to deal with it when she's at home and the children are acting up. She ought to deal with it. But I also think that maybe there's a point when, she, when they go so far out over the line that she does say, you just go to your room and I'll let your dad take care of this when he gets home. I'll let dad handle this. See, discipline is important, vitally important. And <clears throat> I, I find that, that parents are 
confused and worried about trying to discipline their children. They don't know what to do anymore. There's a lot of misinformation and a lot of them are running scared. They don't know what to do. And so children become more and more and more out of control and parents are, are lost. They don't know what to do. What we found is now that this, you know, you don't spank children thing has gotten so much traction, what they find is that the abuse rate begins to crawl up. I've said this all for years, and I'm, they, they actually a study came out and said the same thing, is that parents get so exasperated because they don't know what to do that they lose it. They absolutely lose it, and then they hurt the child. When the first thing they should have done is resort maybe back to the old-fashioned and to just give them a really good spanking and send them to their room, and it would have never reached that point. But because they're so lost and they're so confused, that tension level rises and rises. Your children never push your buttons? No. <laughs> Do your children know where your buttons are? They know them all. They have them color-coded. <laughs> They're like, ah, time to push that one. <laughs> now let me push that one. And pretty soon the parent explodes and the children gets hurt. And that's not the way God designed it to be. The dad, <laughs> and, and all parents have seen this. Mom can yell, scream, holler, swat them, all this stuff. And dad just looks at them and they do what they're supposed to do. My wife used to get so mad about that. I said, how? That, that is so wrong. All you did was just look at them. And they, how do you do that? <laughs> I don't know. There's something about the male voice. I don't know. But we, we strike fear into them little munchkins, and we should. See, we got a generation now that thinks that it's wrong to, to instill fear in a child. We need to instill fear in a child. I'm not talking about them being afraid of us. I'm talking about them respecting us and being, have, having a, a godly fear of, of, of dad. Uh, you know, there, there was a day that girls didn't go out and sleep around because they were afraid of what daddy would do to them when they got them. Nowadays, they have to give them birth control and just kind of let them go do their thing. I kind of like the old style. I think she ought to be scared to death to do something like that. She ought to be afraid of what dad's going to do if he finds out. That man instills that discipline. Going back to that ball game we were at and that son talking to his mother like that. You know what happened? Dad did not discipline, and that's what was produced. There should be that fear, that respect that says, I ain't doing that because I know what my daddy would do. I'm not going to do that because I know I wouldn't be sitting down for a week. I am not doing it. <clears throat> that discipline, Scripture tells us, all have participated in it. That's what gives life, gives strength to people. They learn discipline. When, when we look at our, what's happening with children today, children were not designed to raise themselves. I find it amazing when I watch modern parents so often will look at a four-year-old and say, what do you want to do today? Do you want to go to grandma's house or do you want to go over to auntie's house or would you like to stay here? When they were three, I told them what to do. I didn't give them a choice. Three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, they can't make decisions. 
And we have parents that are like, well, what do you, oh, you want to do that? And then, oh, well, you changed your mind. Duh, they're three. Of course they're going to change their mind. God says we are to raise our children, instill that discipline, teach them how to make decisions. They don't, they're not born with the ability to make decisions. They grow into the ability to make decisions. How do they do that? By a mother and a father who instill values in them and they know how to make the right decisions. See, this is a, <clears throat> a difficult task nowadays because we have so many things fighting parents. A friend of mine says that we are two to three generations into bad parenting. I agree with him. As a whole, in America, we are two to three generations into very bad parenting. And the bad thing is, is now we have parents who have never, ever seen an example of a parent. They have no idea what to do. I want to have a baby. Well, there it is. Now what do I do with it? And they're totally lost. But God gives us in His Word standards that we can learn and grow on. We can learn what a father is by studying the father. How did he lead? How does he lead the church? Well, we know that he gave himself for it. He will die. He did die for the church. That he will he will protect the church. That he encourages the church. He also disciplines the church. He corrects the church. He does all those things. And God expects the men to take their role that God gave them and do the same things that he does as a father. America needs fathers. America desperately needs fathers when 30% of children have no biological father in the home, there's a problem. 50% of marriages ending in divorce. There is one area in Canada, I can't think of the name of it now, but it's a particular island where 95% of couples are not married. There's a problem. There's a problem there when this is going on. We, as God's children, need to pull it back together. How do we do that? We do it through the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we do it by setting an example. We give them the truth of God's word, and then we say, follow me, and I'll show you how to do this. 